The text for this morning's message will be in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. For our text, we're going to start in a place other than the Christmas story. We're going to go there, and we'll be in Matthew chapter 2 and, and Luke as well. But here in Colossians 1, Paul expresses very clearly what I'd like to lay against your hearts this morning. It's our last message in our series, The True Gifts of the Holidays, and my prayer is what I can do this morning is tie all of them together in one. This morning we'll consider one last true gift of the holidays, and that is hope. Hope. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timotheus our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love which ye have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come to you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit, as it doth also in you, since the day ye heard, heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. And you also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or, pow- or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell." And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through the death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Let's bow our heads as we pray. Father, we come before you with thankful hearts, thankful for the chance to be here, to worship you. I ask now that as we go into this time of preaching, that you would remove the distractions, Speak to us by your Spirit the things that we need to hear. 
that you would take this great truth of the hope that you had given us and that you would lay it in our hearts and in our minds and that we would be captivated by it, that other things would fade away and that this hope would spring alive in us once more, Lord. I pray for the grace and the strength to say what needs to be said. All of it by Your Spirit, Lord. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Christmas is, what, three days away now? And in three days, give or take a few, there's going to be many, many people hoping for what they want. They're going to sit around with family and so many kids, and let's be honest, some adults too, are going to be handed a present and they're going to hope it's what they want. I hope this is the one I've asked for, the one I've been waiting for. (laughs) Maybe they'll shake the box. Maybe they'll feel the weight of the box or see the shape of it and, and hope, is this the one? And they'll open a box and get clothes <laughs> or socks. And in their mind they say, crud, it's not the one I wanted. And they'll, well, they'll smile and half-hearted say, thank you. But they'll pick up the next one and hope that's really the one that they want. I remember going through that as a kid. I'm sure you all do too. We hope for some things that are less than. And listen, it's not just Christmas that we have this idea of hope. We apply for houses or we apply for car loans and we hope we get approved, right? I've been there. Waiting to hear back from the bank or uh, waiting to hear back from escrow and hope everything closes fine. We, We hope that everything goes okay. You go into that review meeting and you hope that you get a raise. My wife and I are preparing to go into a Verizon store for the first time in probably four or five years at least, and I'm not going to lie, I'm hoping I can get a good deal on the phone that I want. Maybe it'll happen, maybe not. We hope for some things, right? We hope for them in the sense that we're wishing for them. We really wish we would really like this to happen saying that there are odds against what we are wanting. There's a chance it might not happen. And let's be honest, there's more than one situation where we have been disappointed in something we were hoping for. Right? We all have those in our lives. I want to tell you this morning that that is not biblical hope. Now, the Bible does use that term in that sense in a few places, but... In the majority of times that Scripture talks about hope, it does not use the the term in that way. When we say we hope for something, we're actually saying we're uncertain about it. Because there's a possibility it might not happen. There's a chance it won't. We would really like it to, but there's a chance it's not going to happen. It's not a sure thing. Our hope is not a sure thing. Kind of like when your mom and dad tell you, maybe, maybe. I don't know the house you grew up in. Maybe didn't mean yes. (laughs) Maybe pretty much meant no. It was just dad being nice to kind of put off my my question for a while. And I, I do the same thing to my kids. Ask them. Maybe if dad says maybe, pretty much means no. 
And you know what? A lot of times when we say we hope for something or we hope it's going to happen, there's a thing in our mind that we know yeah, it probably won't. That's not how the Bible uses it. That's not what the Bible talks about when it talks about hope. The Greek word it uses is elpis, and it means this, to anticipate an expectation, a confidence. Something that you anticipate in confidence. Something that you have an expectation that's going to happen. You see, with biblical hope, there's no unsurety. There's no chance it's not going to happen. In fact, there's a confident expectation that it will happen. This is very closely tied with faith. We have faith in things, and in our faith we have a hope that they will happen. Notice what it says in Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Through faith we believe some things are going to happen, right? We believe God at His Word, even though we can't see it in front of our faces. And let me just say from the get-go this morning, we, I won't say you because we all fall into it, we have probably been hoping in the wrong things. We have probably put our confidence and our expectation in the wrong things. Our hopes have been misguided, just like our quest for love and joy and peace. We try to find those in the wrong things, things that fail. Listen, we've placed our hope in some things that fail. And it's left us a little bit disappointed, hasn't it? Our sights have fallen short. We all fall into it, and it's left us a bit empty. Sometimes I think we're reluctant to admit that. That we as a Christian can feel empty. We as a Christian can feel disappointed sometimes. Because let's be honest, there's times we think in our own lives, I thought this was going to be different. I thought I'd feel a little more love or joy or peace. But it just seems like I'm disappointed a lot. Why do I feel this way? Well, this morning, I want to tell you, you need to lift your eyes up because you are made for more. You are made for more. You are made for this hope that comes from Christ. Because not only has He, by His coming to us, given us the true gift of love and joy and peace, but He has given us this morning true and lasting and deep hope. Hope that transforms absolutely everything in our lives. And hope that we need to be reminded of. And so this morning, I hope in the true sense to do that today. To help us to maybe reawaken or reopen our eyes, or maybe it hits our hearts for the first time, the hope that the Bible has given to us. So how does He do that? In what ways? How has His coming to us given us this hope? The first way is that He was born a Savior. He was born a Savior. In Luke chapter 2, and verse 11, the herald angel says this, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. That is the absolute core of the Gospel, isn't it? That Christ has come to redeem us from our sins. The old, old story, the one we tell week after week after week, that changes everything for us, doesn't it? 
Notice it here in Colossians. Look in verse 3. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which ye have to the saints for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. There is a hope laid up for us in heaven. Notice he says here, Whereof ye heard before in the truth of the gospel, which is come to you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it does also in you, since the day ye heard it, and knew the grace of God in truth. Look in verse 12 giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And verse 20, And having made peace through the blood of His cross by Him, by Christ, to reconcile all things unto Himself, by Him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath He reconciled. It is Christ who delivers us from our sins. He is the one who brings redemption. He is the one that came to save us, to deliver us from the power of darkness. Now, sometimes we, we, talk, we think about that, and we think about Halloween movies and skulls and all this demonic stuff well yes that's there that's an aspect of it of being under satan's control but it has more to do with the darkness of our own sin the darkness of our own sin nature and being separated from god you see the message of the gospel the word of truth shows us our sin and the judgment that we face and that we need a savior That's why the angels proclaimed that there has been born a Savior. Because we need one. Notice what verse 21 says. And you that were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. You see, that's our natural state. We're alienated from God. We're separated from God. We're enemies by not only the things that we do, but it says enemies in your minds. Your thoughts are not for Him. Our thoughts are for us, aren't they? Do you think about God all day long? No. But I tell you who you do think about. You. What am I going to do? What do I want to get? Where do I want to go? How is this going to affect me? And sometimes God enters in, hopefully more and more as we grow in grace and knowledge. But left alone... We think about us. In fact, there might be some of you wishing I would stop talking about this gospel. All this sin and death and hell, we don't like that. And when we hear it, we, we wish it would stop sometimes. <laughs> but I will not stop. We will not stop to proclaim the gospel because it's what we need to hear. It's what changes our life. And we must be reminded of the urgency of it. Christ gave His life, His body, His flesh to reconcile us, to save us from our sins, to give us redemption by faith in Him. You need this morning to believe that He died for you, that He took your place, and that He alone can save you and forgive you. It says when you believe it and when you hear it, when you trust it, then we know what the grace of God is. 
verse 6 says, it is, which is come to you as it is in all the world and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. It is the gospel message that has told me of the grace that God has that I can be saved. My sins can be forgiven. I can have them washed away. Grace that brings eternal life. What does Ephesians 2 and 8 say? For by grace are ye saved through faith. And because of the gospel, because of the death and burial and resurrection of Christ, because of the faith that I have placed in it, there is now a hope laid up for me in heaven. Verse 5 says, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Do you have that this morning? Have you been forgiven of your sins? Have you been born again? Do you have that hope that waits for you that you know that when you pass from this life, You enter into eternity in heaven. I pray that you do. Because that hope that is within me, it's a sure thing. It's not a maybe. It's an expectation. You know, there's some vacations I hope I'm able to go on. There are some places I hope I am able to see before I die. Places that that have immense beauty. I don't know if I'll go there or not. But one thing is sure because of Christ who gave His life for me. When I pass from this life, when my eyes close in death, I will be in heaven with Him. That is a hope that is laid up for me in heaven. I pray it is for you this morning. It's a gift that He wants to give each and every one of you. Heaven forever. Now let me say this with utmost reverence. Do you hear that? Those of us that have known Christ for a long time. Do you hear that? And does it fall flat with you? It used to be awesome. Used to sound great. Now it sounds a bit boring. Be honest with yourself. When we talk about heaven and spending eternity there, does that sound a little bit meh? Like we know it's good, but right here, eh, we have some abstract vision of heaven. Some far off concept, like a biblical hope that is just a little bit dull or dormant. That's not what God intends for us. Nor is it helpful for our everyday life. It does us no good if we find more satisfaction, if we find more enjoyment, more fulfillment in things right here and right now than in the hope that waits for us. And if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes that's the case. We don't want to go to heaven yet because there's some things I like. Let me just say, you're made for more than that. We are made for more than that view. In fact, every part of our being right here and right now is made for this hope that is coming. And here's where I want to start to 
kind of clarify this. The first way that Christ brings hope to us, this true hope, is that He was born the Savior. He is the Savior. We need to know that first and foremost before anything else. Our sins must be forgiven or we have no hope for eternity. The only eternity that faces us is an eternity of judgment and death in hell forever and ever. And the first way that we have this hope laid up for us in heaven is because He was born for us a Savior. The second concept we have is that He was born a King. Now stick with me and I think you'll see the point. In Matthew chapter 2... The Magi come looking for Christ. The wise men come looking for Christ. And they say this in Matthew 2 and verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. What about that brings us true and lasting hope? you find it in the question of the Magi. Where is he who is born king of the Jews? Now listen, you probably have heard the story so much and read it so much, you read right past that. Born a king? Born a king? You are not born a king. You are born a prince. You are made a king. You take the kingdom or you inherit the kingdom from somebody else. You aren't automatically born a king with a kingdom. But Jesus is. Jesus is born king. Listen, I don't have enough time to fully explain this and to show from Daniel the prophecies and the connection to these wise men who would have known Daniel's prophecies. They would have known the prophecies of the coming king, the one who will end all other kingdoms, and who will reign as Lord of all forevermore. Let me just simply read to you what the book of Daniel says. Daniel is, is seeing, or he's interpreting a dream of Nebuchadnezzar, and he sees this, this statue that represents all of the world powers. We've got Babylon and the Persians and Greece and Rome and the coming Roman Empire, which is yet to come. And he sees this in the vision in Daniel chapter 2. In the days of these kings, is what he writes, in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Forasmuch as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, The great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain and the interpretation thereof is sure. You see, Daniel saw this this statue representing all of the different kingdoms. And there was a stone that came out of the mountain. It wasn't cut with hands. It was this perfect stone. It dashed in pieces all of these other kingdoms and became a kingdom to rule all. Well, who is that stone? Daniel chapter 7 tells us. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought Him near before Him. And there was given Him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should should serve Him. And His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and His kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. The wise men knew this. 
They came to find the one who would fulfill it, and they found it all in Christ. Let me just put it simply. This baby in the manger is like no one else ever. He is the King of kings. The Lord of lords. This small child is the King of glory. The Creator of all things. The Scripture says He is Emmanuel. God with us. A King like no other with a kingdom like no other. He fulfills all of the prophecies. Jesus is King and He has a coming kingdom. Again, we have a tendency to hear these things and say, oh, that sounds good. But what about in here and the things that I feel, the things that I go through and the desires that I have each and every day? What does that matter for me? How does that bring me hope? Yeah, I know He's going to be king and I know He's going to rule and nobody else is going to overthrow Him. He's going to rule forever and ever, but sometimes it doesn't connect here. Well, listen, let me tell you. This matters for you today, church. This means everything today. And I want you to stick with me. I want to ask you a question. It might seem a little odd, but it's going to show us, I think, what we need to know. What gospel did Jesus preach? What was His ministry about? What was the main message that Jesus had for us? The gospel of salvation? Well, sure. The gospel of redemption? Yes. But there's more to it. Now listen as I read you some scriptures, and I want you to start connecting the dots, and hopefully the Spirit will open our eyes and our hearts to some things, because this matters for you. Mark chapter 1. Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent ye and believe the gospel. Right from the get-go, Jesus is speaking about something very specific, the kingdom. He begins His ministry. He calls His disciples to Him. He establishes a called-out assembly of believers. He establishes the church. And He begins now to teach them. And what does He say to them? Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Matthew 6, 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Matthew 7, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father. Matthew 13, as he begins now to teach in parables, the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But unto them it is not given. And again and again, time after time, what do the parables begin with? The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. The details may change, but the main focus is the same. The kingdom of heaven. In Luke 16, it says the law and the prophets were until John. And since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man presseth into it. Jesus had a focal point in His ministry. 
In fact, after he is crucified and after he rises again from the dead, Acts chapter 1 tells us this, To whom, speaking of the church, he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, he spends forty days with his disciples, listen now, speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. You get the point? What gospel did Jesus preach? The gospel, the good news of the kingdom. The kingdom. His main focus was the kingdom of God. His main focus was His kingdom to get people ready for it. That's what He was concerned about. My kingdom is coming. It's time to get ready. Repent. Believe the gospel because the kingdom of heaven is going to be like this and like that and you need to be ready for it. You know, the Bible goes on to describe this coming kingdom. The Bible tells us that Christ is going to return to this earth. And you know what? The more time goes on, the older I get, the more I am saying, Soon, Lord. We can't handle much more of this. Please, come back and put an end to all of this. Christ is going to come again to this earth and He will rule as King. There will be no more corrupt governments. There will be no more dirty politicians and the the things that we are seeing going on in the media. All that will be stopped. Christ will be King. King over all. Lord of the earth. His faithful saints will rule with Him and there will be peace and there will be justice. All opposition will be put down. Knees will bow. Tongues will confess. Weapons will be made into farm equipment. This is going to be no need for them. The curse on the earth will be lifted. The earth will flourish again. The lion will lay down with the lamb. Children will play with snakes without fear. It continues like this for a thousand years. Then Satan is fully and finally defeated, and we roll into eternity. And there's a new creation where no more curse, and no more pain, and no more dying, and no more sin, and no more tears. There will be just life, and joy, and peace, and love. There will be reunion and restoration. Beauty beyond imagination. Experiences that we, that we can't even imagine. Listen, everything that we were created for at the start. And greatest of all, will be with Him. That's what's coming. That's the kingdom that Jesus preached. That's the kingdom that He prepares us for. And listen, that's an expectation That's a hope. Now, it's not fully here yet, but it is already here in some ways. You experience it through the salvation that He gives. We experience it through the church and being part of His kingdom people here and now and walking close with His Holy Spirit. But here's where I want to turn the corner. You experience that each and every day. There are things in your life 
things within you that give you a taste of what is to come. Sometimes things we ignore, sometimes things that we misdirect. But I think it's where we get off sometimes. We let the temporal overrule the eternal without seeing them in there. Listen, the two things can work hand in hand. The everyday experiences are pointing you to Him. They are showing you Him. And they're here to help our hope grow. So here's the last thing I want to consider as we move to a close. You were made for this kingdom. Let me explain it this way. You know yourself. You know what your experience, and yet you have longings within you. You have longings for love and for joy and for peace, right? You have longings for those things to be totally fulfilled. For those things to be prolonged, for them to never end. Listen, sometimes when we talk about these things, we get hyper-spiritual. Like, like only the experiences in church matter. And we draw a big, bold line right down the middle of our life. On one side is all the God stuff, and on this side is everything else. And It's like two halves of our lives. What you need to do is erase the line. Yes, there are spiritual experiences that surpass everything, like salvation. That's a spiritual experience. Nothing on earth compares to that. But God also gives us experiences in the everyday life that give us a taste of the kingdom. Because listen, think with me now. There are things that you absolutely enjoy. Things that you absolutely treasure. Scenes of beauty. The so-called perfect experiences. You know the ones. The ones that you want to last. The ones that you want to relive. The ones that you want to have again. How about that perfect cup of coffee in the morning? When everything's right and it's so good? Or the way that the sun, before the sun rises each morning, it cools off just a bit so that you can feel the heat of the new sun on your face. When you're in the mountains standing by a waterfall and you smell the trees and you smell the air and you smell the cleanliness of the water and you hear the sounds and you feel the mist of it on your face. Scenes of beauty. That perfect date night. That perfect meal. The gathering of friends and family where time stood still. The time you laughed so much that your sides hurt. That church service that moved you to the core. The feel of a warm embrace. The restoration of that relationship you thought would never happen. All of these scenes of beauty, the experiences of joy and love and peace, ones that we cherish and relive and try to recreate because we want them to never end. Listen, in the kingdom of God, they don't end. In the kingdom of God, there is a satisfaction. There is no pain. There is no sorrow. There is no curse, no tears. It is love and joy and peace forever. 
All of our longings are finally fulfilled in Christ, in His presence, in His kingdom. There is restoration. Reunion. Those sins that get in the way of our hearts, they're gone now. Even the sins that get in the way of one another, it's gone. And the the loved ones that we miss so much that have gone before us in Christ, we are reunited with them. There is beauty there beyond imagination. Even sitting down to a perfect meal with Christ Himself. And we will finally, forever, have perfect love, perfect joy, and perfect peace. You were saved for that. You were made for that. And those things, those experiences that we feel and move us down deep inside are pointing to the day and causing us to want the day when they are finally and fully fulfilled perfectly. That's what I expect. That's what I am confident that is coming. That's where my hope lies. You get a hold of that in your mind. You begin to comprehend the kingdom that is coming. It changes everything for us. You see the awesome goodness of God in each and every day. This experience I have is is pointing me to more. It's going to be fulfilled and better then. The promises of Scripture begin to jump off the page to us. And the future and eternity begins to become alive vibrantly. You begin to daydream about it. You ever done that? And you think, what's it really going to be like? And you say, even in your heart, I can't wait. That's going to be awesome. That's exactly where God wants you to be. That's a living hope in our hearts. Oh, you'll find it affects how you live. Look here in the text. In verse 4, he says, He's heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, which you have to the saints. Verse 5, for or because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. We heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, it's come to you in all the world and is bringing forth fruit. Because of the hope that we have, it's bringing forth fruit in our life. It affects us. It's active within us. It's why we do what we do. Why do we come here so often? Because we want that much more taste of the kingdom. We want to be closer to Him. We want to experience more and more. And we're living as much of it now as we can in anticipation of eternity. Verse 9, he says, We pray that you are filled with knowledge of His will, filled with wisdom and spiritual understanding, walking worthy to be pleasing to Him, strengthened with His glorious power of what is coming. Verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. We have a new residence. We've been moved from the power of darkness to the kingdom. Listen, when we moved out here, things changed. You see, in Riverside, we had a grocery store. In Riverside, we had our gas station and our bank. But when we moved out here, those things changed, right? I've got a new grocery store now. 
I've got a new bank or a new gas station. Those are ours now. If you say where our Stater Brothers is, it's on Harrow Highway. I've got a new residence with new actions. It's the same for us in the kingdom. You've got a new residence now. And there are things now that matter to us. We've got things in our lives that have changed, right? That's why we're baptized. That's why we go to church. That's why we try to live faithfully. Why? Because we're a part of His kingdom now. The kingdom that is of overall, the one who has preeminence in all things, is our Lord and our Savior. And so we live in anticipation of that. Look at verse 21. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath He reconciled in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in His sight. If, verse 23, if ye continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the Gospel. That's a pretty important if. It talks about being faithful to Him. Faithfulness to His Word and to His truth. That brings great reward in this kingdom that is coming. Jesus Himself says, He who overcomes will walk with Me in white. He who overcomes will sit with Me in My throne even as I sit with My Father in His. Things that we cannot even comprehend fully in our human mind. Unfaithfulness and willful disobedience will bring a loss of some of that, which is why we need to get a hold of this. You can see in Colossians how alive this was to Paul, and it needs to be alive to us too, because we have the same promises. The kingdom is coming. Hope in that coming kingdom. And it will change everything. It will motivate us. Our prayers will change from something along the lines of, Oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? To something different. Listen, I don't get envious about a lot of things. I think I've outgrown some of that, hopefully. We were driving around Arcadia a couple nights ago, and I seen some houses that made my jaw drop. I think I, I, we were going by, and Cynthia can tell you, man, must be nice. What do these people do? Look at these places. And you can get caught up in that and start hoping in having something like that. Your prayers will change from things like that to thy kingdom come. Because in heaven, there's a mansion waiting for me. I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And I will come again to receive you unto myself. There's a place being prepared for me in that kingdom of perfect love and perfect joy and perfect peace. And it far outshines anything that you can get here. Your prayers, your focus, your hope will change. And those who you don't, who, those who you know who don't know Christ, you're going to follow after them with everything that you've got. Pray for their salvation. That is not a wrong prayer. That's a righteous prayer. Pray that those people that you, do, that you know are not saved and do not know Christ, pray for them to be saved. Witness to them. Love them. Listen, there are some here in this building I pray every day for. Lord, save them. Open their eyes that they might trust You. Pray for them. Witness to them. Love them and never give up. Why? Because you know what's coming. 
and you want to be with them forever. And you live your life in this hope. And through the hard times, you know that there's a day coming when all the tears and all the pain are wiped away into perfect peace and comfort. And that if He promised you this, He'll be there every step of the way. There is more coming for us. You know it down deep in your very core. You are made for this coming kingdom. All of your desires, though they're misguided at times, all of our feelings and our emotions, though they are misguided at times, are made for this kingdom when they are, when they are all fulfilled perfectly and finally. He saved you. He called you. He makes you ready for it. And He is coming again to bring it. Expect that confidently. There's no unsurety in this at all. Jesus Christ is coming again to rule as King and to establish His kingdom. And we have a part in that. Now let me pause here and say this. To some, that's terrifying news. Herod was scared to death when the wise men showed up and began asking about the king of the Jews. The king is coming to establish his everlasting kingdom, and maybe your part this morning in that kingdom is rebellion. Which means you will face the judgment of the king of kings. But now, here and now, as we stand here today, the message of the gospel of the kingdom still stands. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And whether that is salvation this morning or getting your life in line with Scripture, the time to do that is now. Or maybe perhaps we've set our hopes on some things that are far too low. And we've been disappointed and we've been let down. I don't know about you, but I want this hope we've talked about this morning. I want that burning vibrantly in my heart each and every day. Maybe we need to pray for a revival of it. I find myself, any time I study something like this and begin reading about what's coming in eternity, that my heart is just full. And I find myself more at peace to know what is coming and what God wants to give us if we would just follow Him. You have a living hope this morning. And that is the hope of the gospel of the kingdom. There is a hope laid up for you in heaven. An eternity of perfect joy and perfect love and perfect peace. And a gift that has been given to you all because Christ came. These are what the true gifts or the holidays are all about. And oh, God wants to give them to you. I simply ask, would you accept... Maybe you need to tune everything out, tune everything else out in your heart and listen to what the Spirit is trying to say to you this morning. And maybe you need to accept what He is offering. Today, not next week or sometime in the future, but right here and right now, you can have all that God would offer you. All the gifts that He would give if you would accept. I pray that you would do so.